service uh, will last about an hour and in a few seconds you'll meet our host. Welcome to this week's Crowd Church service. We are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus helps us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow. Our service uh, will last about an hour and in a few seconds you'll meet our hosts uh, for our service who will introduce today's talk. After the talk, we will have a time of worship and reflection, after which we head into Conversation Street, where we look at your stories and questions that you've posted in the comments. Now, we want to invite you to connect with us here at Crowd Church, and we've got a few ways in which you can do just that. Firstly, you can engage with Crowd from any device during our live stream, and if you're up for it, why not invite a few friends over and experience the service together? You see, church is all about connecting with God and connecting with others. And one of the easiest ways for you to do that is join one of our midweek groups where we meet online together to catch up and discover more about the amazingness of Christ. You can also subscribe to our fairly new podcast called What's the Story, uh, where we deep dive into stories of faith and courage from everyday people. More information about all of these things can be found on our website at www.crowd.church or you can reach out to us on social media at Crowd Church. If you are new to Crowd or new to the Christian faith and would like to know what your next steps to take are, well, why not head over to our website crowd.church forward slash next for more details. And now, the moment you've been waiting for is here. Our online church service starts right now. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's Crowd Church. I'm Anna Kettle and this is John Farrington and we are live, um, we are an online church and uh, we're basically here for people who perhaps are just exploring faith or don't know that much about church or those who just don't really see the point of church. Um, but we're here every week on this live stream at 6pm UK time um, just exploring a little bit about Christian faith. So, how are you this week, John? Yeah, doing good, thanks, Anna. Doing good. Um, just, I came back last week from a um, little trip to the States, seeing uh, some of the in-laws, which was really lovely, um, celebrating Thanksgiving together. So that was really nice. Oh, um, Thanksgiving, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it was back to reality this week. And just yeah. recovering a little bit from the jet lag, but but uh, but good. Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've been enjoying the start of the Christmas season. It feels like it's properly coming now that you know we've had a little bit of snow. For those who aren't watching from Liverpool yeah. today, we're that's where we're broadcasting from. And um, yeah, it's been quite snowy this weekend, which has been unexpected, and it's been very cold. So yeah, it's starting to feel Christmassy. I feel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like. Thanksgiving like set me off on the the Christmas vibes. Came back to like wintry weather, and now I totally feel very much in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, and you're saying that even though you've just done a long haul flight with a baby as well. <laughs> so yeah. braver person than I am. <laughs> yes, yes, we survived. <laughs> Yes, exactly. But um, do you know what's coming up today, John? Can you let us enter to what we've got coming up here at Crowd Church? Yes. So I believe we have Pastor John Harding uh, speaking on the last two chapters of John's Gospel, which is uh, John 21, 22. Somebody check that. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. We'll find out if I'm wrong in a couple of minutes. Um, uh, yeah, and I believe he's speaking on the resurrection, Jesus's resurrection. <laughs> that little subject, brilliant. Yeah. That sounds good. 
And um, obviously, as as always, we've got you know after the talk and um, and the song, we've got uh, Conversation Street as well, haven't we? So that's a chance for people to post their questions and their comments on on the talk and obviously we'll come back and discuss it live and try and answer people's questions as best we can can't always guarantee we'll give a great answer but we'll we'll give it a go but yeah we really encourage people to sort of make this interactive and if you're watching live on the live stream then please do kind of post your thoughts and ideas on what you're watching as well because we like that don't we yeah absolutely yeah get those comments in uh any questions no question is a stupid question. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'd love to discuss it all. So, um, yeah, feel free on YouTube or on Facebook. Just send those through and that would be great to discuss those later. And I think we have a Christmas carol tonight as well, don't we? Have we do. Yes. Yeah, so after the talk, there'll be a little Christmas Christmas carol. Uh, is it Hark the Herald, I think we have today? Yes. See, we are yeah. getting actually festive here, aren't we? Like, I've got yeah. my Christmas jumper on. We've got yeah. carols, tinsels behind me. So, yeah, you yeah, are really going for it. I'm feeling all the Christmas love here already. Yeah, love it. It's great. I have a tree, <laughs> I have a tree going on in the corner, but you just can't see it. You know, so just try <laughs> next time, next time, I'll angle it so you can uh, see the festivities in the room. Yeah, we'd appreciate that. We want to see your tree next time, John. Yeah. Fab. Well, as much as people want to hear about our Christmas trees, shall we kick straight off and like get into the talk? Yeah. Let's go. Today we are finishing off John's Gospel and we're looking at the final two chapters, John 20 and John 21. I've called my message today a series of extraordinary events. And rather than taking a couple of verses or a little passage, I want to overview the five final events of this section in John's Gospel. And I want to help us to reflect on just how extraordinary, how unexpected, how unusual these events are. So a quick overview of the passage in case you've got your Bible open in front of you. Extraordinary event number one. Jesus is resurrected after three days dead in the grave. Truly the most extraordinary event of all. Number two, Jesus chooses Mary Magdalene to be the first witness of the resurrection. A third extraordinary event, the disciples who think Jesus is dead are together as family. Fourthly, after the resurrection, the disciples go back to their old jobs. They go fishing. And finally, number five, Jesus forgives and restores Peter after Peter had denied Jesus three times. Five extraordinary events that bring us to the end of John's gospel. Let's drill down into them in a bit more detail. So number one, Jesus, who was dead in the grave for three days, is raised back to life. This resurrection, along with Jesus's death on the cross, are truly the singular most important event in the whole of human history. Yes, the resurrection of Jesus is miraculous. It's extraordinary it's the impossible made possible but without it there is no Christianity I would go as far as to say I actually don't think you can be a Christian in the way the Bible defines being a follower of Jesus without believing in the actual physical bodily resurrection of Jesus The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 13 to 14, if there is no resurrection, then our faith is futile. It's useless. In fact, it goes on to say in verse 19, we have no hope, no hope for the future. And this is why Jesus' resurrection is so fundamental, so central to the Christian faith, because 
in rising from the dead, Jesus defeated the power that death and the grave had over us. And he guaranteed for us through the act that we too would be raised to new life with Jesus in the new heaven and the new earth for all eternity. Jesus's death, a sacrifice for human sin, a substitution. He died the death that you and I deserved. His death brought us forgiveness. Through it, we are cleansed. We are made holy. We are brought into God's holy family as sons and daughters of God through his death, through the resurrection. The way is made for us to enjoy eternal life with God forever and ever in the new heavens and earth. Some say, well, John, maybe it's just a symbolic story, a myth. It didn't physically happen. Maybe Jesus rose symbolically, spiritually in our hearts. Oh, what a nice thought. But actually, no, because if that is true, then I don't know about you, but I am no longer confident that Jesus, that God has the power to raise me from the dead. No resurrection, no hope. That's event number one. Extraordinary event number two. Jesus chooses Mary Magdalene to be the first person to experience him, to see him, to witness him after the resurrection. So Mary is at the tomb. She's weeping because Jesus is dead and the body has gone. The grave is empty. Maybe she thinks that grave robbers have taken the body. I don't know why they do that. They left the grave closed, the only thing of value. And Jesus walks through the garden to her and calls her by name. And he sends Mary back to the rest of the disciples, the 12, well, the 11, as witnesses to tell them that he is alive. Mary becomes the first preacher of the resurrection. Now, if you were making this story up at the time, this is not how you would have written it. Mary is not the character you'd script in this role. In the ancient Near East at this time, the testimony, the witness of a woman in a court of law was invalid. They were not believed. And that's even before we take into account Mary's pastor history. You know, even today in a court of law, someone like Mary would be considered an unreliable witness. She would be questioned as a witness. She had a reputation a mad, crazy woman, when she first encountered Jesus, Jesus drove seven demons out of her. Now, I'm not sure how someone would end up with that level of oppression. But for me, even though we can't really prove it 100% from scripture, for me, I think it means that this Mary is likely to be the Mary who was described earlier as a sinful woman, possibly as a prostitute. Certainly, that's what church history tells us. And Jesus orchestrated his resurrection so that Mary was the first witness, the first entrusted to preach the message that Jesus was risen. It's extraordinary. But let me say this about it. If Mary can be entrusted with such a message, that means so can I. And so can you. We don't have to worry about if people will believe us or not. That's not down to us. We simply share the message that Jesus is alive for the message has power in and of itself to convince and convict and change lives. Second extraordinary event, God chose Mary, a woman with a dubious reputation to be the first person to encounter the risen Jesus. And to be the first preacher of the resurrection. Extraordinary event three. The next thing that happens in John's gospel is that we read the disciples are hiding away, huddled away together for fear of their lives. They believe Jesus is king, long awaited Messiah, that he would reign and they would reign with him in a new kingdom. But now here they are. Jesus has been killed as a common criminal, a rebel. 
And so they're hiding away for fear of their lives. I find it a little bit surprising that they didn't scatter. I think if I'd been in that situation, I think I'd have recommended that we all went our separate ways in order to maximize our safety. Much safer to do that, but they are together. They are in community like family. And it's into that context that they now encounter and experience the risen Jesus. Jesus walks into the room. He speaks peace, shalom to them. He says to them, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Literally in Greek, Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. In the same way, I send you. It's a call to, to mirror Jesus, to imitate Jesus, to incarnate ourselves into community. At their most fearful, disappointed, discouraged moments, the disciples pressed into community. They were together in community. And it's in the context of community, it's in the context of hardship and persecution and fear that they encounter the risen Jesus in their midst. And he speaks his peace into their hearts. Even the doubting Thomas gets included. And that's the third extraordinary passage in this event. The fourth extraordinary event. Well, this one blows my mind. After all that's happened, after three years with Jesus, his death, his actual physically bodily resurrection, after all of that, uh, after him sending them out as witnesses into the world. Chapter 21 of John. We read that some of the disciples went back to their old jobs as fishermen. They went back to work. Now, if you know this story, you'll know that they were out fishing all night and they had caught nothing. So they weren't even very successful in their old jobs. Maybe they were a bit out of practice but it was familiar. Maybe they thought that going back to their old job would be comforting or nostalgic. I mean, I get that. So um, fishing all night, they caught nothing. And a voice that they don't know, they don't recognize, calls out to them from the shore and says, cast your nets onto the other side of the boat. And so they, they do that and they land this instant miraculous catch of fish, 153 fish in all. The point I want to make is this. Mary encountered Jesus in the garden. The disciples encountered Jesus in their community. And here they encounter the risen Jesus in their day-to-day -day work. And it's that encounter with Jesus in their workplace that makes them incredibly fruitful and productive. Now, I love some of the little details that John records in this section. 153 fish, quite precise. The Roman writer and early naturalist, uh, Pliny the Elder, he was alive and writing at this time. He wrote, he believed, there were only 153 species of fish in the entire world. So maybe... Um, in catching 153, it was symbolic of a time where these fishers of men would reach people from every tribe and nation and language. Everyone would be reached for Jesus. I love the little detail in the original Greek when it says Jesus cooks the fish over a fire, over a particular fire of coals. Now, that Greek word is only used twice in the whole of the Bible. It's used here, and the other time it's used is to speak of the fire that Peter warms himself beside. The exact same word, the exact same fire that talks about Peter's denial of Jesus. It's a lovely little detail, and I think it really connects uh, into our final extraordinary event. Extraordinary event for the disciples go back to their normal jobs, but that's a place they encounter Jesus. 
And the final extraordinary event, number five, is this. Jesus forgives and restores Peter. There's this lovely, precious encounter between Jesus and Peter at the very end of John's gospel. Peter had denied Jesus by that fire three times in his darkest moment. When people said to him, even a slave girl said to him, hey, you're one of Jesus's disciples. You were with Jesus. Peter said three times, not me. I never knew Jesus. He denied knowing Jesus three times. And here, three times, Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, I love you. Three times. Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Now, this is not Jesus being insecure or needy or seeking affirmation. We are talking about the risen Jesus here, the one who had conquered sin and death. No, he's asking Peter, Peter, do you love me for Peter's benefit, for the benefit of Peter? He's giving Peter the opportunity to confess his love. It's extraordinary. It's, it's remarkable in this ancient Near East honour and shame culture, Jesus chooses to forgive Peter and restore Peter and appoint him to go on to be the first leader of the earliest church. That's where I want to land my talk today on the extraordinary events at the end of John's gospel. Mary, the disciples, Peter, encounter the risen Jesus in extraordinary ways. And what of our response? Well, I think it should be that of Peter's. Hearts full of love, vocalised to our risen saviour. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, I love you. I wonder if you would join with me in that confession, Peter's confession, this day.
Prince of Peace Hail the Son of Righteousness Light and life to all He brings Risen with healing in His wings Mild He lays His glory by Born that man no more may die Born to raise the sons of earth Born to give them second birth Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Hey everyone, welcome back. Thanks so much for that talk, John. That was wonderful. What did you think of that, John? Yeah, that was great. Really good. There's um there's so many like different different there's so many different things going on um yeah. the passages. So no, was, I really liked how John just kind of walked through each section and um also we clearly learned that I need to read more of John's gospel because I clearly don't know how many chapters there are. Um, <laughs> Did you check it in the break? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was wrong. That's fine. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, no, what, what did you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I just love that that whole idea of, um, you know, five extraordinary events. I mean, yeah, there's there's more than five in the resurrection, isn't there? But those big five events that he picked out of those chapters, it's just, I mean, yeah, I, I love that take on it. And I don't know, I mean, all five of them are extraordinary. But I mean, which one which one really jumped out at you, John? Was like any that you sort of thought, oh gosh, yeah, that, that really resonates or Yeah, I think um honestly that the first the first point he makes about Jesus mm. being resurrected for me is um so good and, and so key for me. I think um, you know, John said without without the resurrection there is no Christianity. Um mm. and Certainly for me, when I have had, you know, maybe kind of uh, doubts or questions about my faith, mm -hmm. you know, at any point, I think it, those questions can make it easy to sort of spiral and you can kind of yeah. begin to question, oh, is, is any of this true? Is any of this real? And um, for me, the, the, the anchor of it all has always been, you know, I, I just always come back to Jesus is real and the resurrection is real. And... Mm -hmm. Um, and if ever I'm kind of struggling with any questions, I go from that place of, well, I know Jesus is real and I believe the resurrection happened. And so then I kind of go back to all those questions and see how that, you know, how that all fits. And that's definitely been, uh, been the key for me really. Um, but yeah, I think that, that, that first point is, is fundamental, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm fair with you, really, John. Like, I, for me, it was like that um, line. I wrote it down because it, it really resonated. But with with no resurrection, then there's no hope. I love mm -hmm. that. It's like, if if there's no resurrection, then there's no hope, really, in Christianity, is it? Like, yeah. that whole idea of kind of how people might say, oh, well, it's a nice story, or it's just a metaphor or a myth, you know, it's it's just an idea that's expounded. And and yeah. I think if it wasn't actually a physical event, then there's no, I loved, I loved how he followed it through. And it's like, it's it's like the linchpin of like our whole faith, isn't it? It's a centerpiece because without the resurrection being an actual physical event that really happened, then there's no, there's no power over death and resurrection. And there's yeah. no, there's no kind of victory of the grave really and like for me yeah. that's kind of that is the hope um 
yeah, I sort of think without that, then there's, you know, there's no promise of eternal life. It's all just metaphor, isn't it? It's not real. And it yeah. kind of takes the point to me, but that, that's the power that we have, you know, that for me, certainly the hope that my faith is, is that kind of, kind of that life on this earth, although there's many good things, it's like, when things are hard, when chips are down, you know, like my, when, when people die, that that's not the end. Like my mm. husband lost a family member a couple of weeks ago, which was really sad. She was quite young uh, and so, you know, so sad, but also so hopeful to know that death isn't the end for us mm. as believers. And I feel like that's, without that, then what's the point? So yeah, yeah, that really resonated for me as well. Yeah. And, and I think also like that, I think that could be quite jarring for people to hear as well sometimes because you do hear people talk a lot about, um, you know, interpreting the Gospels as more metaphorical than, than literal. And mm. um, and I think in some ways that it, when you talk about it in a metaphorical sense, that can mm. sound nicer, but actually, yeah. it um, like you're saying, ultimately it, it doesn't, provide any hope um and it it loses real any sort of any strong sense of meaning um yeah 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 definitely i also i mean i liked all of the points but i also like the one probably i would say this as woman but i like the second point as well about um mary magdalene being the first person that met jesus like that was so to me that was so counterculture in a kind Mm. of culture and a time um where women really didn't have any kind of equality with men um in that kind of culture and that sort of time zone that jesus was born in um and i for me that that's so interesting like how much jesus values women that he would appear to her first above everyone else before the disciples before everyone else and yeah like that's something that's just it always slightly blows my mind it just reminds me how countercultural Jesus was and how he did things that were really quite revolutionary at the time and yeah how he's just always breaking the norms yeah yeah absolutely yeah and and kind of it, it keeps in that theme of Jesus does things that if you were to to make it up like john was saying you wouldn't choose to do it that way if you wanted people to believe it at the time mm. um yeah no that's it i yeah i agree it's it's really cool i like how he talked he talked about um, mary being the first preacher of the resurrection as well mm. um, it's a nice nice phrasing like that yeah yeah, it kind of sort of puts to bed the thing of like women shouldn't speak or preach in church for me. I mean, mm. I know that's controversial, but I yeah. sort of think, well, it's good enough for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, definitely. It's a good point, actually. And um, the whole thing of like Jesus appearing to the disciples, I mean, they're all extraordinary events, aren't they? But I love mm. the fact that he sort of says like about how they should and you know, you would expect them to all have scattered to the foreigns of wherever, and instead they all gathered together and sort of sought kind of, I suppose they were grieving, weren't they? And they'd lost a friend and a, and a, someone they were following, um, their sort of rabbi. And, and I, I guess that they were kind of, there's like some kind of solidarity in their loss in being together. But I think that dynamic meant that when Jesus appeared to all of them, there was like this, I think that's quite hard to argue with. It's like not one person's testimony. It's like lots of them were gathered and they all saw the same thing at the same time. And it kind of adds real weight and like a stronger evidence base. If if just one or two people had seen him one by one, it's like we could have just dreamt it or imagined it or just wanted it so bad that you sort of, but the fact that lots of people said, described and saw and experienced the same in the same way at the same time it's it's harder to argue with isn't it in terms of yeah facts yeah absolutely and also how their um i guess how their like experiences of encountering jesus after his resurrection are quite different and um and poignant for for the different disciples you know like um like with how he uh, with with Thomas, 
you know, um, doubting Thomas. And then, you know, with Peter, with the do you love me conversation that he has with him. Yeah. Um, very like, per- they're very personal and kind of speak yes. straight to the sort of um, the heart of the individual, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, like that. that. It's cool. Do we yeah, have Do we have any comments going on currently in the? Uh, we'll look in the chat bar, shall we? We've uh, got anything yes. coming through. We've got a few Wes John's Christmas jumper. Wes, I know. Um, as soon as as soon as you pointed out, Anna, I thought, ah, oh, I've let the side down. Here we go. I know the um. Yeah, there's quite a few coming through on that first point that we've just discussed around if Christ mm. has not been raised, your faith is futile. Mm. Um, yep, quite a few on those. Dan Orange says, extraordinary events, love that, this passage, as well as the rest of the Bible has so many. Yes, true, mm. the Bible's full of extraordinary events. Um, yeah. Matt Edmondson says, totally agree, the first point is key. And love that scripture without it there is no hope and your faith is futile yeah that seems to be the point that's really jumped out a lot of people here um yeah certainly and also i just want to say while i remember i'm sorry that the if anybody noticed that or during john's talk the sound and the picture was slightly out of sync so yeah i don't know there was a slight technical hitch in the playback there so apologies if it was a bit annoying to watch that part but hopefully it's resolved now. Um, you can tell us in the chat box if we're also out of sync, but I don't think we are. <laughs> <laughs> what did you um, um, What did you think, Anna, about the the final point, the Jesus, the conversation with Jesus and Peter? Because I feel like there's quite a few layers to that, really, isn't there? Yeah, like the, yeah, the way he sort of forgives him and kind of um, meets him where he's at, really. Um, I love the fact yeah. that, that that kind of like, you know, Peter had obviously like pretty much written, would, you know, as you would do, you've sort of denied Jesus, you've written yourself off if you think I've let him down. Mm. Probably a, a lot of feelings of not being good enough, which I think a lot of us can appreciate. And Jesus kind of cuts through all of that. And for me, that's that's the kind of thing that I always take away from that bit of, that bit of the story, that kind of, we're so quick to sort of, you know, write ourselves off and, you know, kind of look at our own failings and think I'm not good enough to serve Jesus or be used by him. You know, and we all do fail, don't we? We all get it wrong sometimes. I know I do. But, like, I love that Jesus kind of meets him there and reassures him and kind of actually he's, it doesn't affect Jesus's plan for him. And he still, yeah, he sort of forgives him and kind of, yeah, it kind of t- changes everything for Peter, doesn't it? That kind of grace that he meets there, that kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. that kind of encounter with Jesus sort of um, is the power and the kind of, um, I don't know what the word is, but it kind of inspires him, like, in a really deep yeah. way. And changes his whole life. And, you know, obviously he goes on and he, he serves the early church for many years and has this amazing ministry, but it's like... It's like that encounter with Jesus's forgiveness changes everything for him in that moment. And I think, you know, we I guess we all have, as Christians, we all have those moments where obviously there's that initial moment of becoming a Christian. But then I think also throughout your Christian walk, there's those times on there where you kind of experience that forgiveness and that grace of God again over your life that's just so freeing and releasing and changes everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it feels like it's uh, you know it's like a it's a real moment of of uh, Jesus kind of empowering Peter and sending him out and and like John said, uh, giving Peter the chance to confess his love um, mm-hmm. for Jesus. There's like there's another part of the uh, passage though which um, I read the other day because we've been going through the uh, in our church we have been walking through John's gospel uh, with daily devotional readings. And um, there's a bit where uh, after the conversation with Peter and Jesus, it then um, refers to John. And and it, it's almost like Peter gets kind of slightly distracted by maybe what Jesus is speaking into John's 
life mm-hmm. and calling, you know, and, and Jesus kind of says, don't worry about that. <laughs> um, you know, you have, you have your own calling and, and John has his own. And I thought there's also like a, just an interesting um, thing of even when we get a sense of how God is speaking into our lives and the direction he is calling us into and you know, the, the career or job or places mm-hmm. he, he might bring us into, it's so easy for us to get quickly distracted by what other people are doing or what God's doing through other people and, and feeling yeah. like we need to be getting pulled into that, you know, but um, remaining centered and focused on actually what the Holy Spirit has spoken to us. And um, yeah, that, I just thought that was an interesting element of the story as well, because it's almost, it's almost mm. written as a side in the passage, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's a really good point. It's, it's like everyone has their own calling and like even amongst those early disciples, like it wasn't like their walk of faith wasn't all the same, was it? Like Jesus said yeah. and gave them what they needed to hear and different things. And, you know, they yeah. were all sent out, but they weren't, yeah, it wasn't like yeah. they needed to worry about comparing themselves against one another, but it was like, you just do what I'm calling you to do. And I love that, like right from the start, it was like Jesus really treated them as like individuals, didn't they? And um, and I love the fact that it, he did send them all out and they did all have something to go and do. And um, yeah, there was yeah. just like a real sense of like, this is what, you know, this is where I'm calling you. And they were like scattered out at that point. They weren't kind of, they didn't just kind of keep it to themselves, but they kind of, you know, could not share it at that point. And it was, it was their only sort of natural response to having that encounter with Jesus as it were. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've, mm-hmm. I've got a question for you. So yeah, go in, in response to how John kind of finished his talk, so he um, kind of was giving us an opportunity to, I guess, reflect on our love for Jesus and um, and having having a heart response towards that. Um, obviously, I think you've been a Christian quite a long time. But I was wondering. Are you saying I'm old, John? <laughs> no, no. Well, no. I've just heard your testimony. No, it's true. Yeah, I have. I've been a Christian. I've, I've been around Christianity my whole life. It's true. Yeah, I guess. Oh, I'm, and me the same, really. Um, Five I was just. Than I was thinking, you know, like, what point would you say you like loved Jesus, and would you have connected that to? the same point you know where you maybe committed your life to Jesus yeah. does that make sense? yeah that's a really interesting question actually and I think yeah I, I can actually see that in my life like I would say I was grew up around I like grew up I was a pastor's kid so I, I, I've been in church since like day dot and um yeah so always you know throughout my teens and stuff always went to church with my parents but I think it was becoming a student um Thanks, Matt. He's saying I'm almost as ancient as Matt Edmondson. Not not that old, everyone. Um, I really dug myself a hole there. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I'm totally getting distracted by the chat bar on this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, like it was kind of going to university and becoming an adult, I guess, like leaving school, leaving home and the Christian family I'd grown up in. I actually, and coming to Liverpool as a student, that was what actually was the point at which it was like crunch time for me. Like I have to decide if I want to follow Jesus now myself and if I'm going to continue to follow him. Now I don't have to or, you know, I'm not, it's not expected. No one's going to be checking up and seeing if I go to church or do all, all of these things. So for me, I guess at that point it was kind of... Um, do I want to follow Jesus and do I really love him or just do it because I'm expected to do it by my parents? And I guess yeah. I yeah. that was a real season of journey of discovery, of like putting my faith to the test, really kind of finding Jesus for myself. And I guess as I sought him and I read the Bible and I kind of, yeah, looked for him for myself, I really found him. And so, yeah, I think that period and that age, I really remember that kind of being my faith growing into itself and 
kind of, I guess that was the season of falling in love with Jesus, it being more than just head knowledge, but really becoming like heart knowledge for the first mm. time, where actually I think it was falling in love with Jesus rather than just knowing about Jesus, which I have done my whole life. So yeah, yeah that actually quite resonates with me. And then mm. obviously like finding that passion and that love for Jesus for the first time for myself, mm. um, rather than sort of just knowing about him and living off my parents' faith as I probably did when I was younger. Um, yeah, that totally motivated me to, it, it motivated me in terms of the way I loved others and mm. the way I got involved in church and different ministries through church that I, you know, reached out to other people, perhaps broken and vulnerable, whether that was like street sex workers or homeless yeah. people or kids, you know, from parts yeah. of the city or whatever it was, different projects that I've been involved in over the years. But I think yeah. all of that comes out of a love yeah that love of like experiencing jesus for yourself so yeah i i think that's a good point i i really mm. resonate with that do you like do you have a similar experience or yeah i, th I think probably it's quite similar in some senses I'll, i've been thinking a little bit about like um how john's gospel in general talks about love and mm. that, that like i guess sort of just like what does it mean when it's talking about love like um, and and I think I've just been seeing a lot more of the connection between like sacrifice and love whenever it's sort of talked about in in the gospel. Like like for example, you know, there's like the John three sixteen passage, um, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's that clear connection between God loved us so much that he's willing to give up the thing that he loves the most. You know, um, and um, yeah, and I, I think in lots of other places in the book, you you can see that. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, so I guess I was I was thinking like, at what point in my life did I realise, like you were saying, this isn't just something I was following, but it was something I was actually willing to give mm -hmm. something up for in order to follow. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, which for me was was probably um it's probably like round round six six form kind of time mm -hmm. like 17 18 when i was starting to question my faith a lot more and also just starting to see what what the other options were you know and um yeah. um but actually realizing actually i'm i'm very willing to give up all of those other options because mm -hmm. i've realized that like I think this is the best one, <laughs> you know, um, and I think this is what brings me the most joy. Mm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that's that was probably sort of the for me, but just um, yeah, and it's, it sort of brings the conversation full circle, doesn't it? Because you say like it, it, you know, what else sort of gave you, you know, when you look at all the options and different ways you could live your life like what else would bring you that joy and I'd kind of say similar but it's like what else could give you that kind of hope for the future yeah. and the hope for the present like yeah. I, I don't know through good times and bad I just don't see anywhere else um that you could go that would give you yeah. that hope that not only is hope for here and now today but also mm. a hope for others and a hope that goes beyond the grave like I just mm. I don't know of another and anything else that that offers that, I hope that like lasts forever beyond the grave. And yeah. you know that for me, that's I don't know. I I don't see anything else that promises that. And um, yeah, so it kind of takes us full circle to what we we're saying really at the beginning, doesn't it? About this, this yeah. whole message. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, it reminded me a little bit of um, verse in one Peter. Um, it's in 1, 1 Peter 1, yeah. the 8, and it, it was it was kind of just that um, when John was sort of talking about the response at the end of the talk about, um, yeah, of, of acknowledging a love for Jesus. And, you know, it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Um, which is kind of just like, it's that, that hope 
and that mm-hmm. duo uh, that we're talking about, uh, yeah. which is our salvation in Jesus. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love that verse. That's that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point on which to finish, isn't it? I think we're yeah. kind of coming to the end of this. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. I can't, I can't think of a better way to end that, really. So yeah. Sums up the whole thing, pretty much. But, um, yeah, before we finish, though, do you, do you want to tell us what we've got happening next week? Yes. So next week we have... Uh, John Harding and you now, aren't we? <laughs> uh, we got John Harding and Matt back for um, and they're going to be talking about finding peace in difficult times. Brilliant, I think so. Um, so it's going to be Matt speaking, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah, it should be great. I think Matt said in somewhere in the chat that it's the Christmas special next week, so it's the official Christmas. Um, service live stream next week so yeah, yeah that'll be well worth checking in on if you're around next weekend that should be a good one everyone absolutely. so yeah Christmas jumpers will be imperative for that one yeah yeah absolutely and perhaps we even want to see them like posted in the chat box if if we can do that I don't know I is think, that I technically possible idea, Anna. but I, I think we should see that yeah absolutely yeah Love there's that. a comment down there it says Plug Christmas service. Yep, we've just done that. <laughs> Next week, John and Matt Emerson talking about finding peace in difficult times. Wear your Christmas jumpers, Matt says. Yep. So please do, everyone. That should be good fun. And there'll be a new carol next week as well. So lots to lots to uh, check out That's next week. Exciting times ahead. Brilliant. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us here tonight on Crowd Church. Don't forget that we're around throughout the week. You can look us up at any point at crowd.church. Send us a message, reach out to us on email, text us, any of those ways. How you can contact us is all going to come up on the screen at the end. And also, is um, yeah, sort of there's more information about how you can connect with us at our website, crowd.church. There you go. It's just popped up. Um, but yeah, please do reach out if you want us to pray for anything, if you've got anything going on, if you just need someone to talk to this week, if you've got more questions you want to discuss, then please, um, yeah, just reach out to one of our team. Well, I think other than that, got anything, any final comments to add, John? Um, no, I don't think so. Enjoy your Sunday evenings. Yep. Thanks for joining us tonight, everyone. Take care. Real. Bye, See everyone. You soon.